I, I definitely feel that isolation. Talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. She told me that I should change my career goal. We're only doing science to take care of our community. You need to feel 100% prepared for sharing your knowledge. Um, there's never been a road that someone has shown me. If no one do it, it's okay if you want to do it. Well, I had a 2.5 GPA. How do I overcome this? First gen come grade, I was the class low. Higher education is for them. It will empower them. They will have a Present fun time. Present myself they will in a way that well. I feel that people would be able to to really acknowledge who I am and like we need to retain them be you you know like stop trying to mold yourself to fit. it's not just about the science it's about how we vote you know how we treat people who are different to us you know how we try and get the best out of people those things are really important when I graduate from our program I will be the first African-American male to ever have matched and graduated as a surgeon at this institution as a general surgeon which in 2021 just seems ridiculous to me. What's up, y'all? It's your host, JP Flores, and welcome to From Where Does It Stem? <laughs> All right, yeah, let's do it. Well, I'm I'm Carolyn Luger. Um, I actually did my. I'm from Austria originally, and I grew up there and um, got my undergraduate degree in Innsbruck, University of Innsbruck. Lots of good mountaineering there, which I took advantage of. Um, and I then, um, after my PhD, I took a year off, and we went bought a camper and we traveled through the United States and. Uh, a fun fact that fits right in there is that my husband and I uh, kayaked down the entire Yukon River. Uh, that's like 3,000 miles, which was really great fun. And we kayaked a lot of other good rivers as well. After that, I went to the ETH in Zurich, um, renowned institution where Albert Einstein got his degree also uh, for a postdoc. And um, that's where I stayed for many years uh, to determine the structure of the nucleosome. Um, and after that, uh, I was ready for a new adventure. And so I just decided, you know, we could just go to the United States and try our luck there. Um, and so I joined, um, uh, interviewed in a lot of different places and I joined the university, um, uh, Colorado State University in Fort Collins. And then uh, about six years ago, I moved down to Boulder, which is just 60 miles down the road. Yeah, beautiful places, it seems like. <laughs> You're really into nature and an outdoorsy person, I take it? I really am, yes. Yeah. <laughs> How do you right. find the time to do all that if you're doing science, doing great science all the time? You know, I don't really. I just like to know that it's there. <laughs> I try to make time more and more. But, um, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. It, I just like to live in nice and uncrowded places. Very cool. Yeah, so um, I wanted to ask, what was it like transitioning? And it sounded like you spend a, a rather huge portion of your career in Europe, you know, to ending up where you're at now. So was there any culture shock at all? Because I moved from California to North Carolina and I'm like, there's brand new bugs, there's brand new people. Like, what was that like? <laughs> um, there, there was quite a bit of, of a culture shock um, in terms of just the way science is being done. In Europe, it's a little more, shall we say, um, it's a little more serious, a little more um, hierarchical, um, less open, um, less, I would say, encouraging to young people, at least when I was uh, a student. And uh, moving to the States um, was rather nice, especially at that time, Europe wasn't that well known for women in science. 
they were quite quite um, quite a low representation of female faculty, um, and and the United States was much advanced in that respect uh, in terms of diversity also. So that was really um, the biggest difference. Um, of course, there's other. There's ups and downs for every system. I think Europe is generally more organized. Uh, the funding is probably a little bit better, uh, but uh, by and large, the United States fits my my approach to science and my personality a little better than the European system. Yeah, on Active Motifs Epigenetics podcast, you said um, that there weren't any role models for women in academic positions, as you said. So, what was your, I guess? you know, proxy for that? Did you just want to prove people wrong? How important is having a role model that looks like you, especially in fields is, is difficult to stem? Um, you know, it's, yeah, it, 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 I, I, I just, that just wasn't one. And so it wasn't really an option for me that, oh, I really miss having a role model. That just wasn't one. And I think, um, you know, in a way I grew up with two older brothers who are very, very smart and, um, and so, and, and I'm the youngest one. And so I was kind of used to like proving everybody wrong and that I can do it. <laughs> so I guess that kind of set me up for, for succeeding in, in a world that, that where people don't really look like me. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, I did have um, very good mentors uh, and very encouraging mentors, uh, mostly male because that was the majority. So there are a lot of, there, there are quite a few good guys who really took me under their wings and kind of helped me on my way. So, um, uh, but uh, having, having said that, it's not really something I would dwell on. Uh, it was just something that, that, that was a fact and it's a little more difficult for women and that's just what it is. So I didn't really like dwell on it that much, to be honest. Gotcha. So um, what are your thoughts on mentorship, right? Like what constitutes a good mentor? How important is that? And how integral has that been for you and, and your success? So I think uh, for mentorship, what is really essential is somebody um, who's very honest with you. Um, and, you know, so, you know, it's, it's nice to have somebody who's warm and fuzzy and say like, oh, like this is the best grant application I've ever read and just send that in. And then it gets trashed by the reviewers. That's kind of useless. So you need somebody um, who has your back, um, who uh, checks in with you occasionally, and but who's also like really honest with you and says like, you know, like I think this is not uh, the right tech to do, or you maybe you shouldn't wait with that grant application, or maybe like this person that you're trying to hire, uh, I would be a little hesitant. Um, but then, you know, as a mentee, you also have to be prepared to listen and to take the criticism because, um, Otherwise, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna help. It's just a useless exercise. Right. No, definitely. So, just to change the subject a little bit, have you had to sacrifice anything to get to where you are now? And do you have any <laughs> any regrets? Or... <laughs> oh, that, you know that's kind of a loaded question. Um, Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I actually don't think so. I've been really fortunate. Uh, that I've, you know, managed to um, to to have a family and have have a, have a kid and be married and um, and have outside interests uh, and maintain my health, uh, which is also important because this can be a pretty brutal job. Um, so actually, not that many. I mean, of course, I wish I hadn't worked that much, uh, you know, because sometimes you think like, oh, I need to get this grand application in and I can't go on a vacation and I can't do this and that. So, you know, those kind of regrets for sure. 
but um, nothing uh, really major. Like, you know, when, for ex as an example, when I, when I uh, joined Colorado State University, I just felt uh, it's, a, it's a, not a that well-known university and, and that's okay. I didn't know it before I applied there, but I really liked the place. And um, I, I went there um, despite the fact that I had, I had offers from much more prestigious quote unquote universities. And it just kind of felt right. And that would be, could be a thing where you think like, ah, dang it, you know, I really made a big mistake. And that actually, it, it worked out beautifully for me. So, um, so I was really lucky, I think, uh, in, in my decisions, more luck than anything else, I think. Definitely. And another thing that I wanted to touch on is, is you mentioned that, you know, one of the most important aspects of your job is to train the next generation of scientists, right? And to keep them passionate about science. And how do you keep people engaged and interested and motivated? Because I just feel like you're so highly motivated. How do you <laughs> yeah. instill that in, in, in your mentees? Well, you know, to be honest, uh, it's it's not always easy because uh, because sometimes, you know, projects, let's face it, they don't go that well. And, and, and yet uh, you still have to be the cheerleader and you have to kind of make the hard decisions. Say like, you know, this isn't really going that well. Maybe we have to switch to your backup project project and um but really what i like more than anything else in this job is just the joy of discovery and i really like to design experiments and to trick the system to to like uh i like puzzles and so to me science is really a giant puzzle and that's really what keeps me motivated and it's it's this joy of discovery that i'm trying to pass along but then also um, the joy of mentorship and many of my uh, people in my people in my lab are quite heavily invested in mentoring. So I have graduate students that mentor uh, rotation students or high school students or undergrads. Um, and um, they kind of try to pass it forward as well. And that also actually gives them joy. And so I try to impart to them that um, it's really, it, it's really not just uh, the discovery itself, but for them also training the next generation. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you might hear my dog barking a little bit. That's right good. Now, but... I like <laughs> she, she'll play a little role here in the, in the episode, I guess. But... Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, along that same vein, you know, research for undergrads can be daunting. And most, most honestly have no idea what they're getting themselves into. Right? I, I'm sure you can relate as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Right now, I'm going through that, right? I'm trying to enter this entirely new world. It's completely oh, yeah. new to me, right? So what's your advice on like catching up with the rest of the field? Is it just reading a bunch of reviews, finding the right <laughs> mentor, you know, like not sleeping, drinking coffee and just reading, reading? No, 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 no. That would be totally wrong. Uh, my, my advice would be uh, that uh, most undergrads, they come in and, and they think the the grad students and the PI and the postdocs, they know everything. And uh, the first thing I tell them is like, you know, we know nothing. And, and we feel like you, maybe on a different level, but like most, a lot of the times we have no idea what this is. And that's just part of what it's like to be a scientist. You don't understand things and you strive to understand them. So they have to make peace with that. And, uh, and if that makes them feel, um, small or overwhelmed that's understandable but they have to kind of get over that um, and so what I try to tell them is just you know get in there and and do and get your fingers wet and pipette and 
ask questions and absorb things and don't worry about not understanding every little detail because nobody does. But I know, I know it's hard. Like I used to, I used to work in a lab with a very senior, as an undergrad, with a very senior research associate. And it was like, you know, somebody who's trained to run an ultra marathon and me like having, having never run before. And like, it was, would be seven o'clock at night and this guy would still be going. And I was like, just dead and tired and done. I just, and, and I wouldn't admit it to him because, and, and so, you know, that's what I tell my students who mentor people. I say like, you know, be aware that they just, it, it's much more exhausting to them than it might be to you because you're trained to do this and they are not. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And yeah, you'll feel the same way, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm about to enter graduate school, you know? These are supposed to be the most stressful times of your lives. And here I am just like, all right, woohoo, different oh, state. That's, like, it, it shouldn't, I mean, it should be stressful, but not in a bad way. Yeah. yeah, lots of growth, I'm sure. It's like the pandemic, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You just get in there and do it, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so what are your thoughts on how we can make, you know, STEM, science, biology, more, diver- more diverse and more inclusive, right? We're facing... A retention problem right now you know racial disparities gender gaps etc oh, yeah. and there's data to support it right so what's oh, yeah. the next step what what's what's your action plan what's the luger action plan you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i don't i don't really have an action plan yeah. um it is a very difficult uh path to walk because um it, it may not be directly relatable but like back in europe as a woman in science i probably as a as which at that time was an underrepresented minority i'm realizing now nobody called it that i think i wouldn't have wanted people to check in me with in with me all the time say are you okay like you're a woman i know it must be so hard for you and that would have probably bugged me a little so i'm i'm trying to really like um i have urms in my lab and uh i'm i'm really treating them like everybody else but I'm also trying to make sure that they feel safe to come to me if there's any issues that they want to discuss. I'm not saying that's the best approach, but I, you know, I think it's just so easy to come in and be condescending. And <laughs> uh, even, even though you're really only trying to help, I think the best, the best thing to do is, is also just to increase the numbers and then, uh, and we're kind of right there where we, we're stuck at that level where we just don't have enough uh, for, for, for it not to be uh, a hardship anymore or, or yeah. more difficult anymore. I know yeah. that's not a very, that's not a very satisfactory answer, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, and, and I think what we, what we realize um, more often than not, like a lot of the kids that come to college nowadays Many of them come from parents who are academics and who, or who've gone to college. And so they know all this stuff. But uh, many, many um, students from underrepresented groups, they have no idea how to even go about this. And so, well, there you go. And, and so, like, you know, how do you write a letter and how do, how do you get into a lab? How do you do that? And so we're trying to make that easy for them uh, to to find that information and to kind of give them a little bit more of a of a plan of how to how to do the things that they need to do to succeed. Yeah, and I don't think anyone has the answers, honestly. Like no one's an no one is an expert in this, right? I mean, there's well, a reason also, why we've been stuck right here for so long. <laughs> yeah, but but also like I I kind of I have a hard time with this. 
with this term URMs because like every every person is a person and every person has yeah. their own uh, their own story and their own mm-hmm. uh, individual issues and so it, it's it seems very easy not and not in a good way to just put everybody in a bin and say like okay you're gonna get extra help and it's like, <laughs> what does that even yeah. that's just kind of silly right okay so you are someone who is just prominent in their field right i would call you a celebrity even <laughs> you're a celebrity okay <laughs> you go right ahead do that <laughs> <laughs> but um i wanted to ask do you ever take the time to like stop and look around you know because i feel like with you it's like it's probably meeting after meeting after meeting you know and it, it's like where do you get that time to take a break and, and just sit back and look at all everything you've done and everything oh you've done? <laughs> You know, I never do actually do that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not a person who would. I, I don't like to look back. Uh, to me, uh, uh, I'm very much forward looking, and I try to anticipate the next big thing, the next problem, the next, um, the next um, challenge that I want to accomplish. That's kind of how I was brought up, um, and. I personally find it kind of boring to sit back and say like, oh, like, look at all of that. Uh, what I do enjoy, though, um, and I really get great satisfaction out of this, if I, you know, if I get contacted by one of my students in class five years after and say, you know, like that class you taught me, that really changed my life. Like, you know, some or my my grad students who are now professors in places. So that's something that gives me great satisfaction. To me, um, you know, like, to be honest, what we're doing is maybe of interest to like one hundredth of a promille of the population. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can't take yourself too seriously. But what what I do take seriously is is the impact that I can have on on other people's lives. And I'm saying this because um, when I was an undergrad, um, I had really good. I, I was taken up into into a into a lab and I'm sure I was like a giant pain in the rear because I was very anxious and I wanted to succeed and like kind of high maintenance. I would think. That's how we're all right now. That's all the undergrads right now. That's what right. they're feeling. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, uh, but it really changed my life. I, I, I remember I made like a DNA mini prep. It's like, oh my God, this is like, I made DNA. And <laughs> so it's, it's really, it's really, um, that experience that I want to provide to as many people as possible. So not making DNA per se, but <laughs> what I'm like, just like the joy of mini oh, preps. I, I just want them to all do mini preps. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So what were your emotions and feelings like, you know, solving the structure of the nucleosome through X-ray crystallography? Was it more of like a no way they can't be right? No, maybe like what what was it? Walk us through it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it, in, in those days, um, it, the, the structure grew gradually. It wasn't like, ta-da, here it is. But you literally had something on my on my very old computer screen in Evans and Sutherland, very, very slow, that looked like something, you know, the cat puked on the kitchen floor. I mean, it was just like really noisy, ugly map. And then you, you literally by hand, you have to built in so like eh, you know that maybe looks like a helix and that maybe looks like dna and um so it was a very piecemeal approach 
And I, I, I remember I sat in the dark room uh, like for 12 hours a day, like seven days a week, uh, just twiddling on my dials. And, and then occasionally my friends would come in from, you know, from the lab and, the, and I would like show them, look, like I built this piece of alpha helix. I'm sure this is like H3. I remember that so well. And, and my, my friend and yours, somebody from New Zealand, he would say like, come on, you don't really believe that, do you? <laughs> So, um, so by the time it was done, uh, frankly, um, and, and the paper was done, it was just, I was just exhausted. It wasn't even a thing, you know, it was just like, um, and when you stare at something for that long, it kind of loses its allure, to be honest. But I will say that um, I, 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 and and I still remember this to this day. I gave a, a talk, nobody had seen the structure yet. And I gave a talk at Cold Spring Harbor, like the big auditorium, you know, with Jim Watson on the wall uh, in painting and chock full, uh, super full room, standing room only. Um, and and it was slide still. So, uh, so I thought, you know, I just go with the wow effect. I had it all choreographed. And so I just like put up the structure of the nucleosome and everybody in the room was going, oh, and I'm telling you, that was like almost made it worth it. That was pretty fun. You're probably like Nobel Prize, please. Anything? No, <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. No, just no. kidding. <laughs> no, it was just kind of. It was that was just like you know that was really worth it. Yeah. Um, and um, but apart from that, you know, if you kind of know how the sausage is made, and and I will, and, and 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 of course this wasn't just me. There was like a lot of people who worked really hard on this, and people who came before me, and and there was a big team teamwork. And by and large, um, and some people got left behind uh, in a way, uh, which wasn't good either. So you know, if you kind of see, take all that into account, um, it it makes it a little less glamorous, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can see that for sure. I'm going to switch over a little bit. So I think the coolest thing ever is science Twitter. I think it is one of the coolest things I've ever come across because it's just all these scientists, you know, coming together and commenting yeah. on work, retweeting stuff like that. So what are your thoughts on science Twitter? Like what are the pros? What are the cons? And, and oh, yeah. everything um, well, I'm, I, I, for the longest time, ridiculed Twitter completely. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't going to have it. And now, I'm, as, you, as you might know, I'm, I'm actually pretty active. Yeah. And um, here's why I really like it. Um, I really like it because it makes scientists human. And you have like these really famous people who admit to really stupid things and, and admit to being exhausted and, and uh, dropping balls and having funny memes. And so, uh, and it's true, right? Uh, everybody is, and especially during COVID, uh, the, it, I, th I, I felt it was very um, encouraging. Um, it was very supportive, at least the, the tweets that I'm seeing. Um, and um, there's some good controversy, but by and large, people just cheer for each other and they they laugh with each other. So I'm actually a big fan. Um, I haven't had any bad experiences on it. Um, so, but I'm, I know that happens as well. And and I realize also it gives you kind of a distorted uh, a distorted view, maybe sometimes. I don't know how the younger generation feels about like uh, us, like old people tweeting away uh, and I actually don't really care 
I'm having too much. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm like subscribed. Yeah, I follow you and I'm subscribed to your tweet because I'm like, all right, what's next? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just like it because, and, and just on a, on a really practical basis, like I used to do all these email alerts for papers. I don't have to do that anymore. Like, uh, like, you know, I, I don't miss papers anymore. Not that I read them all, but at least I know they're there. So. I think <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, I wanted to comment on, on, um, you know, scientists being human. What, what does that mean to you? Cause to a lot of people, it means different things, right? Uh, to me, it means that you make mistakes. Uh, you're, you're, um, you, that, that really is mostly it. You have a right to feel exhausted. You have a right to drop balls. Um, you especially um, uh, can admit that you don't know something. And you, there's a lot of things you don't know because like certainly when I was an undergrad, it didn't even occur to me that a professor might not know everything. It just wasn't even on the table. So, um, so that I think, um, that I think is, is probably the most important thing that um, some, some people do convey. Uh, what I don't like quite as much is people just like bragging uh, you know, relentlessly. And there's some of that too, uh, or the humble bragging or, you know, like people saying, oh, celebrating, like celebrating wins. <laughs> uh, I, I ran like uh, this ultra marathon and, and then I cooked like a seven course dinner for my husband, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's not human. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, good for you. Right, but right. like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe exactly. you either. <laughs> yeah. So back to being human. Right. Is it cool if I ask you some fun questions? <laughs> Go ahead. All right. I just have them listed off here. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite color? Uh, teal. Okay. What's your favorite color to wear? Black. <laughs> <laughs> if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's probably a hard one. I because I wouldn't know whether to be like dessert or like a like a meal meal. You know, I would probably say my mom's uh, cheesecake. Okay, just a normal flavored cheesecake. Just no, it's a special cheesecake. Gotcha. I can't even imagine. It's so <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Do you have a favorite quote? And if so, um, what is it? Oh, <laughs> I have several favorite quotes, but. Um, um, probably the, our lab motto is expect the best, but prepare for the worst. Okay. And I then some gonna... of my students would say my lab motto is never satisfied. And I think that's in fact <laughs> not true. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I could. laughs> yep. Yeah. So did you have a celebrity crush growing up? Uh, oh yeah. Did I have a celebrity? Yeah. Um, uh, there was this Austrian car racer, uh, Jochen okay. Rindt. Okay. And he actually died in a very fiery, unfortunate accident. Oh, no. Yeah. And that was part of his allure, I think, having <laughs> died so tragically. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Two more. If we went out for a night in the town, okay, and, okay. and just so happened to, like, stumble into a karaoke bar, and you had, like, no choice, you had to, you had to join in, what song are you singing? Oh. Uh, I would probably uh, do a version of Let It Go. <laughs> <laughs> frozen the frozen version yeah yeah I, I i i used to sing that with my daughter and we make up all kinds okay. of, of stupid verses like you know completely <laughs> nonsense gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. okay and if we were at a wedding what song would get you out on the dance floor oh anything by queen 
Oh, I love Queen. <laughs> All my college essays were about Queen. Oh, good for you. Which is really yeah, funny. No, yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. I love Freddie Mercury. Like yeah. I watched that movie like I don't know seven times. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, so I, I you should see it. That. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, it's really cool. good. All right. Do you have anything that you want to like bring up? You know, something that you might have wanted to touch on um, while listening to these questions, or? Yeah, actually, I, w- I wanted to ask you, like, what 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 do you guys oh, wish people like us would be doing for you guys? <laughs> no, I mean seriously, like, you know, we're we're here. We there's a disconnect. Like, how do you how do you see us old scientists, and what do you think we we should be doing that we don't do? Okay, well, to start this off, I want to say that when I saw your name enter the waiting room, my heart started pounding and I was already shaking. <laughs> right. So there's already this kind of like, like I said, like a celebrity, um, like starstruck. Yeah. And I'm a very scary person. <laughs> so I, I, I think you're right on target. Okay. No, but it, it, it's, you kind of touched on it a lot, right? The, the mentorship, the bringing humanity to science, because really that, that's what it's all about. You know, just, just, in, just making sure uh, making your mentees sure that you're there to support them, you know, yeah. and, and that they can come to you with anything, no matter what it is, whether it be science or, or just life. Cause I think that's how you get the most productivity out of us. Right. Um, but I also think another big one is pushing us to do community outreach. Now it, it differs by person. Right. But I guess that's my thing. Like I, I really think that, you know, if we want science to thrive, if we want, if we want to do good science, um, you have to, you know, encourage and inspire the next generation, right? Like, like we once were inspired. Absolutely. But I think you have to also reach people who are not, not the ones that are interested in science because, yes, because you have to kind of engage the population that is maybe not so interested or are or, or predisposed to science because they're going, Oh, I'm just stupid. And I'm not, you know, I don't like math. And so you have to kind of reach those folks as well. Um, because, you know, that gets into the politics. And, and you had like one question here about politically engaged scientists. I think we don't need to be, it's good to be politically engaged, I think, but more um, importantly, I think it's really uh, key that we help people understand that decisions should be made based on facts. Right. And I think a lot of the population isn't really used to being analytical. And that's one thing we often forget because you see like, well, how can people like, you know, vote this way or the other? And how can people mm-hmm. not see this? But I think a lot of the population is, is not trained to analyze the facts and then draw conclusions from it. And so that's something that we have to get into schools and kind of teach um, students, kids at a young age to do it that yeah. way. Yeah, I, I think it starts with the younger population too straight off the bat. And it's, it's shown, you know, during this pandemic, this past year, you know, but it seems like you've, you know, put some thought into it. Have you thought of any, like, I don't know, initiatives or, or anything like that? Um, so, that uh, so we've done regular outreach activities. We go kind of to middle schools and things like that. Yeah. It's not that effective. I think um, um, some people in my lab have been talking about outreach, uh, doing mm. more of that. Um, it's, it's difficult because, uh, especially now, the schools are underfunded and the teachers are overburdened and they just don't have the time to accommodate some extracurricular activities. Um, I, I actually think our whole school system is kind of uh, flawed. Um, Agreed, yeah. And not just here, but in, in Europe as well. 
because nowadays you don't have to teach that many facts. People have their phones and they can just look up anything, but right. you have to kind of teach the critical thinking. And that's really, really, really hard to teach. So yeah, while I've given it a lot of thought, I have not done enough myself uh, to do this, but I do encourage, because I, I have other other obligations. <laughs> I bet, <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. But um, I, uh, people in my lab uh, are quite socially engaged and I give them the time to do, uh, to do right. that because I think it's super important. Yeah, yeah. Like for example, you know, one big step would be getting rid of scientific jargon, but it's not just there. That's very superficial, I know. But I think you also have to hit the passions of certain people. Like it takes a more holistic approach, right? Like I didn't start getting into the 3D genome until I realized the downstream effects of how it can it has implications in cancer and disease, things that like I personally am passionate about. Right? Yeah, but and I think everybody has different motivations to get to get into this, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to, to talk to, um, so here, he, here's, uh, something that somebody told me once is like, you sit in, in an airplane and the person next, next to you asks you like, Oh, what do you do? And then you say like, Oh, I'm a neuro neurosurgeon or neuroscientist or whatever. That's the end of the discussion, right? Because they're intimidated. But, uh, like as a university professor, apparently what we're supposed to say is like, Oh, I like work for you. And they're like, what, how, where? And, and then, you know, you could go in any ways. You could say like, well, I, you know, I train the next generation of scientists or I, I help in my small way to find a better cancer drug. And then right. you, you have a conversation and you're not like pretending like you're a professor. And so you're like up there and, and, and the other person can't even talk to you because you're at a different level. And, and what I found very often people who use a lot of jargon and who, uh, and, and who try to talk over your head um, are, trying, are, are trying to intimidate you possibly because they might be insecure or something. Yeah. And so I think um, it, it takes, it takes um, it's not that difficult to, to be relatable to, uh, and to explain your science in simple terms uh, if, you, if you're willing to think about it a little bit. Yeah. And, well, and a big thing there, you know, is I feel like society is just very individualistic, right? You know, people do tend to think of themselves and things like that. Whereas, you know, science is meant for the community if you, if you really think about it. Well, um, it's not so. only meant for the community, it's also paid for by the community. <laughs> so, I mean, it's true, like the NIH, exactly, yeah. and that's taxpayer money. And so it is actually our obligation uh, to talk to the people who fund our research and and not to like try to impress them with how smart we are and how little yeah. they know, but to kind of try to explain to them how, you know, even, even work on ridiculous fruit flies uh, <laughs> might benefit mankind uh, yeah. or maybe their child when, when they have cancer. So yeah. uh, it's kind of making those connections that I think many scientists kind of fail to do because it's, it requires thought and it's not that comfortable. And so it's much easier to just talk jargon with, you know, the next 4D genome uh, person <laughs> in the bay next to you because they speak your language. Right, right. But no, that, that's a really good point. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. See, I was right. See, the starstruck is coming back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> don't do that to me. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you did a great job. It was really fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I tried to make this again short, but I wanted to ask, you know, questions that I felt like you can actually relate to and answer. So, no, absolutely. This yeah. is great fun. Much more if fun. If you're looking at the other questions, you can uh, 
look at them and answer them if you want. But. Um, um, yeah, how to advise students to combat isolation. I, you know, for, for you as a grad student, um, yeah. being a PhD is a really hard thing. And uh, the problem is that um, you guys are, are surrounded by other grad students and postdocs. And so you actually don't realize that you're doing a really hard thing mm -hmm. uh, because everybody's doing it. And so it's like, oh, my God, like I'm the only one who's struggling and, and like everybody else is having great success. You go to a meeting and you hear all these polished talks and, and they have these cell papers and and you don't know how the sausage was made right and right. How, many tears, how many tears and how much sweat went into this and so I think it's something that you you have to realize uh, and that's also where Twitter I think is useful you have to realize that everybody is you know working with the same kind of ingredients and there's a lot of luck uh, but uh, but you're you're entering a pretty um um, I mean, elitist is the wrong word, but it's a pretty... It's like an ivory tower, it feels like, you know. It, it, the air is pretty thin up there, you know. Not, yeah. not that many people uh, climb to the, to, into this thin air. And then you look around and there's, there's like this guy up there and he's like way on the summit. And you think like, oh my God, I'm so slow. And you never look back and see how far you've come. Uh, and so I think that's something that's... Um, sometimes you have to remind yourself that... Uh, not just like mm -hmm. where's the next where's the next um, obstacle, um, but uh, how far have you come? And so a good analogy to this is um, like I, I do get out and hike a fair bit. <laughs> and in Colorado, there's like these, oh, I bet. these fake summits. And so uh, so you kind of, you know, there's like this peak up there and then you hike up there. And it's like, oh, this actually was not the peak. The peak <laughs> like, way up there. And then you go there and it's like, oh, dang it. That was just like a little pre Pump. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah 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 it's like a mirage it's like an oasis like oh <laughs> it's not an actual thing <laughs> exactly and so yeah. that's kind of how um how being in science feels like sometimes because whenever you think you've kind of accomplished something big it's like oh like no there's like this next big thing that now you have to do yeah no I, yeah I think I really needed that yeah I'm, I'm a first generation college student too and every day I've been hanging out with people in our cohort already and every day we're just like I can't believe we're in this program. Did I really just say that? Do I deserve to be here? That was kind of dumb. If we look back at our accomplishments and see what we've done, it, it's, it's, it helps a lot. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, and you really have to remind yourself um, and not just compare yourself to the people in front of you, but to the people, um, you know, who weren't maybe as fortunate uh, as yeah. you were or didn't have the support or as lucky or, or as determined as you were. And so then, you see it in perspective and um, it's actually good a good idea to train yourself to do this and not just emphasize on you know <laughs> sometimes look back and look at the three peaks that you've yeah. already climbed uh, to get to where you are right. um, and um, you know the, this this imposter syndrome everybody has it uh, do you have it <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I do actually, I do. I, I just really think like everybody around me is like way smarter and I'm just kind of faking things. Everybody thinks that. So I've <laughs> kind of made peace with it. It's just like there in the background, but um, I can, I can, I have seen it be pretty paralyzing for some people. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it's just important to remember that everybody is just kind of trying to make it up uh, yeah. as they go along, you know, in a way. 
what a world we live in. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 I think it's always been like this. It's just, uh, I think people maybe weren't as open about it. Uh, yeah. Especially not in, 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 in Europe. Uh, you wouldn't really admit to these kinds of things. But, um, you know, we're all in it. Um, and we're all growing with it, hopefully. And getting better and dealing with setbacks and... Yeah. And that's not any different for me than it is for you. Right. So how do we keep that environment, you know, sustainable, right? Because it just seems like, you know, we're now we're starting to think like this, right? So what kind of like actionable things can you do every day to, to kind of keep this up? Is it mindset? Is it, you know, treating others like empathy, compassion every yeah, day? Like- <laughs> I think that's, that's a big, that's a big portion. I think also just realizing that, Honestly, when it comes down to it, it is a job. It's, yeah. It shouldn't be your life. So, mm. you know, this famous work-life balance is definitely something um, that is important. And people in Boulder here take that pretty seriously. It must um, be easy in Colorado, though. <laughs> you know, that's what they say. But uh, yeah, it is easy. But it's so easy to get consumed by this and then think like, and then, you know, just taking a step back and not taking yourself too seriously and yeah. kind of thinking about the other things that that happen in the world and that uh, really suck, <laughs> then maybe right. your paper rejection isn't so bad. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, finding joy in, in things that are maybe not related to your pipetting skills <laughs> and not defining yourself whether you screwed up a gel today or not, you know. Yeah. Whether you got the grant or didn't get the grant. Right. You're still a good person. So like, you know, that, that it can get a little, uh, it can get a little self-fulfilling um, yeah. that if you just continue to define yourself through your success at the bench. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. These are, these are really, you know, reassuring coming from you. I will say that much. I'm, I'm calm now. <laughs> good, good. That's what we're aiming for. I'm sure yeah. you'll do well and, you know, you'll have setbacks and, uh, and like everybody does. Yeah um paper rejections they really suck you know you put your lifeblood into your whole thesis into paper and you send it out and then the reviewers nitpick it and um it is hard i'm not gonna lie to you yeah it's hard and so you just really have to learn um how to deal with this uh like i'm just gonna leave you with one thought and i'm sounding like an old lady but (laughs) no this is perfect you're just passing it on to the next generation (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) i used to play competition sports and uh uh, yeah no i I played like as a teeny little kid and then all the way through college and um i i lost a lot obviously and and um i lost a really tough match and i didn't cry and my dad said, you know, like, this was like your biggest success ever, your biggest victory, because you didn't cry and you learned how to lose. And that actually stuck with me because like, you know, you're going to lose a lot more often you win. That's just the nature of the game. So you kind of have to learn how to deal with it. I mean, just go with the flow. You know, you can do it. <laughs> I know. I believe yeah. in you. You can do it. Even if Thanks it sometimes so. seems you don't, <laughs> you won't be able to do it. You can uh and and just keep in touch if you have any questions let me know yeah will do thank you so much yeah this is this has been awesome and it's really nice it's been really nice getting to meet you and and talk to you you know even even if it is virtually so no this has been lots of fun i'll (laughs) check you out if i ever get down there again (laughs) please do yeah please do yeah all right thank you so much dr luger all right take care it's carolyn not dr luger carolyn hi (laughs)